This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode number 11. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now your host, Kristen Trumpy. Okay, today um, Therese Joyce is with us and we'll discuss play. Um, Therese graduated from MAP and she's a transformational leadership and positive psychology expert, trainer and speaker. And she's also the associate director of the Center of Positive Psychology at the University of Melbourne. Thanks for joining us today, Therese. It's great to be here, Kristen. Cool. So um, what got you interested in the topic of Um, I've always been a very playful person and I think when I from an academic side when I started reading about positive psychology and play was mentioned occasionally but there was never much follow-up particularly in regard to adults and so even though it was given as one of the 24 via character strengths and in Sonia Lubomirsky's book The How of Happiness, one of the 12 ways to increase happiness was to act like a happy person. There weren't really many examples of how to do that or interventions that have been proven. So I decided as part of my map to take that on as one of my interventions and to come up with ways of acting like a happy person and to me being playful and um enhancing that part of my life was something that I thought I would enjoy doing and I decided to create my my own interventions for that. Okay, so why is play important? I think play allows us to be more open to life. It, it allows people to fail without um, worrying, I think, about the output or the outcome for, for um, looking silly or doing things that maybe in their work life or in their adult life they're not usually allowed to do. So I think play really encourages us, us to be open and in some of the research I've done with people, it's more in physical theatre and people who are learning clown as a performance art they have said it really helps them to understand themselves a lot more. They've they've grown a lot through self-awareness and acceptance of themselves and that idea of vulnerability. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, so could you, this is a really interesting link that I never thought about. Could you just expand a little bit on the link between playfulness and vulnerability? Yeah, so... Um, I guess this is, this has come out a lot in the work I've done through the physical theatre where people, and it's adults who are doing theatre games and it's very playful. So sometimes we would do things that might be familiar to people um, from their childhood, so childhood games, but it's up on sort of in front of an audience and people often become quite self-conscious at first because people are looking at them and they're doing something that... Um, Maybe may feel silly or may feel um, awkward, and I I could see when I was doing the theatre classes that people were 
um, going through some kind of, um, I guess, psychological change in a way. There were people who would burst into tears. There were people who would sort of run out and say, this is too hard. And I was fascinated with why this was so difficult for people because they would be really just asked to stand up and do a dance or something very, very silly. And through interviewing people and asking them about their experience, they really were saying that they they felt extremely vulnerable um, to be on stage and to be so exposed. So they really felt that people were able to see all of their awkwardness, all of their um, not just physical but their um, their own sort of personal mannerisms. So there was no way to hide when they're being playful. They just are just trying to be themselves, being showing their emotions to the full extent. So I think often in life we hide our emotions. We pretend that, that we're, being, we're feeling fine or people are pretending to be in control and yet quite often uh, people aren't truly feeling that. So when we're being playful and we're allowed to act out that we're feeling sad or angry or upset about something, it frees something within that um, I guess it, it just gives a freedom for people to to be more truly themselves. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, I I'm just surprised. I kind of I I thought of other benefits of playfulness. You know, I thought it would be more on the, you know, on the invigorating, like surprisingly happy end of the spectrum. So, so I didn't really anticipate that people would struggle so much, but maybe that's because I'm very playful. So I never had this issue. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think for most people, I think most of the time play is just fun. It really is um, that a lot more lighthearted and joyful and wonderful in that. And, and I would see um, for most people, what I would encourage people to do in being playful is doing something that is more lighthearted and that they're just, is going to find joy in that but then I think when we see sometimes we see people who are being um, really exposed and if we think of playful people like Roberto Benini or Mr Bean or Miranda Hart in the UK and they are um, in in Australia we have um, I think of Sharon Streslecki who is in um, Kath and Kim but people who are um, showing that awkward vulnerability of humanity and that we love to see that because we can connect with that and we can see, um, we can identify with feeling that awkwardness. And um, and I think that can be a part of playfulness too. When people try to do a dance and they realise they're not very good at dancing, but that line of dance as if no one's watching because it can be so fun to not have to be good at it. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um... So what I hear you saying that is it that playfulness also seeing it in others can actually help our coping mechanisms kind of is that what you're saying right it Oh absolutely I'm I really think that humor and playfulness are very important for they're, they're very beneficial for resilience and coping with stress and there's been research to show this too in the amount of um even laughing as part of a bereavement 
process. So if someone um, loses someone very close to them, it's not to say that you should go and do a laughing yoga exercise because that would be um, probably disingenuous and not very helpful. But when there's been research of people talking about the par- their partner who they may have lost, it's the people who express more, more joy and um, can sort of laugh about the times. Oh, I remember when he used to do this and this was really funny or those the times we used to have together and, and being playful in the memories of it indicates um, a greater likelihood that they're going to heal from that trauma and that experience as well. So I'm currently writing a chapter at the moment about the importance of playfulness for children who've experienced trauma and and how we can use that. It's a very delicate um, area because it does need to be a genuine feeling. It shouldn't be pasted over the top if someone's feeling sad or vulnerable or awkward at that point. Um, it shouldn't be that we're trying to force them to be happy or playful and paste a smile over the top because that's going to create the cognitive dissonance and actually do more damage. Yes, yes, yes. So um, which areas of life could benefit from introducing more play? Um, I think play can be welcome anywhere. I think it's important to be... Um, to use social intelligence and to be aware of the context. Um, In speaking with people who are quite playful, and even from my own experience, I know that I've overused playfulness and I've sometimes um, not been as, I guess, as considerate of the context at all times. So I think... Um, it can be, it's possible to use playfulness in the workplace, in schools, in family life. Um, and it just is really important to understand where other people are at and whether or not this is appropriate because it's not always a good idea. Right. So you mentioned business. Um, that, I, I, I don't know, I, I imagine that's not too easy. How, how open is the business world to the concept <laughs> of play? It it really depends on who you speak with. I love when I find someone who's working in a corporate environment who wants to do something different and says, I, I want to bring some kind of playfulness into our workplace. And it is a challenge because there will be um, sceptical cynics in that room and that's completely fine as well. But I think what play does is sometimes... Um, shake things up a little bit too. So I know um, in one business, which is a a fairly conservative insurance company, they brought in some hula hoops one day as part of their, one of their team building activities. And it was very out of the ordinary for them to do something like this. And not everybody decided to try hula hooping. um, But what had happened from that is that you know, some people did try and weren't very good and had a bit of a laugh about it. And then there was there was a guy who worked in the IT department who tried, picked up a hula hoop and he was actually really, really good at it. And <laughs> everyone was fascinated to see this man from IT hula hooping like an absolute champion. And what happened then was beyond that workshop, it was probably a 10-minute exercise, um, 
the relationship with IT, the IT department changed for the company. And instead of people just thinking, oh, gosh, my computer's broken and I need to call someone to fix it, they'd ring up and say, I want that hula hooping guy. I need him to come up and sort out my, my computer. And so it actually helped build relationships in the workplace. It, um, it seems very silly and lighthearted, but it, it did help build connections. And from there, I think that can help the work place be more productive just from seeing someone out of their usual um their usual role and um my previous workplace was very playful and we often would see our senior managers dressed in costumes or acting out um video clips and it I think it helped reduce the feeling of a very strong hierarchy within the business and made people more comfortable in going up and talking to others. I like how um, how multifaceted this uh, playfulness thing is. And I hear what you're saying is one thing is um, sometimes it's an opportunity to see a strength, uh, strengths in other people. And mm. it can also be, um, from my experience, I, I work for a bank and um, I participated in one or two um, bets which have been talked about for a couple of years <laughs> and and I don't know I think that there was also this element of narrative you know like this identity formation like I people used to ask me like what place do you work in and how is that possible and you know I wouldn't say oh this is the normal you know normal environment in a Swiss bank or even in that department but it it's also a sense of it gives a sense of identity to kind of retell this sto these stories doesn't it it's that's also an element of this whole playfulness thing that love it, love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's, um, I think it's it's a wonderful thing. And the research has shown it's the highlights, it's the peak experiences that we remember and that make a difference. So seeing your manager's manager come dressed down. I remember at one conference I went to and two of the senior managers, someone in charge of the UK and one in charge of the US, came out dressed in full leotards reenacting Torval and Dean at the ice, the Olympics, um, Winter Olympics. And they had a full ice skating routine, although they were just on the floor. And it was spectacular. It was just so funny. And then what made it even funnier afterwards was that I found out the um, vice president of the US who was acting in one of those roles, didn't even know who he was acting. He'd never seen that. He'd not, he couldn't remember that. So that was a big highlight for everyone, I think, from Australia and the UK. But he did this wonderful performance, but not even knowing who he was um, supposed to be. And I think it was just, it was still something that I will remember probably forever <laughs> when I think nice. of that man. <laughs> nice. So, um, so if someone's convinced of the value of this, how can we create an environment that encourages playfulness? Um, well, I think there's a lot of resistance in workplaces and things. There's a lot of resistance to team building activities. And I can understand because sometimes they are quite naff and um, formulaic. Um, but I would say just doing small steps. So um, a um, an exercise that I've learned recently, which I quite love, and um, it was 
invented by a family down here. So I have to give credit to, to James and his family for that. But it's a, a bit of a twist on the three good things. So that's a very familiar um, positive psychology invention where you think of three or interventions, sorry, where three good things that happened. But what this family do, they say, we, we want to know best, worst, funniest. So at over dinner at nighttime, they'll say, what was the best thing that happened today? And each person will say the best thing, then the worst thing, and then the funniest thing that happened. And I think what that allows people to do is actually identifying the worst thing that happened is sometimes really important because people want to share something that wasn't fun or wasn't nice or was a real um, frustration of the day. But then ending it with what was the funniest thing that happened allows you to realize that, you know, with a bit of perspective that things aren't too bad, you know, that this thing happened and that it might be that something happened to them, it might be something someone told a joke or it may be just a funny situation that they that witnessed. Okay. Nice. So I think playing playing best worst funniest at um, your meeting or over dinner could be a good um, a good way just to gently encourage playfulness. Right. And um, how can someone who's really really serious and analytical allow more play into their life? And the background of this question is I actually saw this on the um, the Sensei forum of the Greater Good Positive Psychology um, eight week class um i'm sure i guess you're aware of that and um yes. someone actually asked this question like she said you know i would love to have more fun and everything but i'm really serious and analytical and i'm not sure how to allow more play into my life so what would you say mm. to a person like that well i think there's not one answer because part of i guess the the idea of play is that it should be a an interesting and fun and joyful experience for the person playing. And if it's something that you don't enjoy, that can actually have the opposite effect. So for someone who feels very serious and analytical and maybe they um, they may not want to get up and do something in front of other people, but I would maybe suggest that they think about what do they enjoy doing? Have they, is there a hobby they used to do or is there something they used to really enjoy when they were a child and can they revisit that? So for some people it may be that they used to um, like playing an instrument or they used to play kick the ball around the park and they just haven't done that for a while. I noticed when my friends started sort of entering their 30s and 40s and having children that suddenly especially my male friends were sitting down and being a lot more playful with their children and sort of playing with the Lego or playing with the train sets. And it was almost like they were just rediscovering this. So I think if someone can think about what they'd like to do, there's also a great um, uh, researcher in the US, his name is Paul McGee, and he's written a book called um, humor survival training for a stressed out world and he has a program how to develop a sense of humor and so for a lot of people playfulness comes very naturally and, and a sense of humor is a very strong character trait that they have but for others it can be um, a difficult thing that, that they need to learn but the thing is we all can we all can learn and develop it so I think um, Paul McGee's work is really 
might be a really good place to start as well and to look at some of his suggestions and ideas there. Okay. In your experience, is it something that changes, you know, pretty fast or is it more of an ongoing slow process? It really depends on the person. I think um, I mean, yesterday I was talking to someone who said he I, I was talking about playfulness and I was talking about learning and continuing to learn and one of the things I suggested was um, relearning something that you may have put down many years ago and he said it's really interesting you should say that because I used to play guitar and then I gave it up in my early 20s and he said I've just taken it up again recently and I was talking to someone at work and and he said he also played guitar and then we found this other guy who used to play keyboards 20 years ago and so we've formed a band now and so this is a group of men who hadn't probably played for 10, 15, 20 years and decided, yeah, let's do this. This could be fun. And although there are playing musical instruments, I think the way they're doing this is actually playful. So they're not um, playing with this set goal of producing the best music possible. They're actually just wanting to have a good time to try things out and to um, just surprise themselves and enjoy that learning process. Um And so sometimes people can very quickly find something, discover something that really brings this amazing joy. And I think that's when it's a real delight. If someone thinks, oh, maybe I'll try painting and they do it and they get so much joy out of it um, or they just have, um, you know, they join in with a kid's game and they're running around the park and laughing and then suddenly an hour later they look back and think, oh my gosh, I haven't done that in so long. So I think it can make a fast impact but but for other people it can take a little while. You can, it can um, be difficult to get through that feeling silly or feeling I'm too old for this and I shouldn't be doing this but I would just encourage them to keep doing it. <laughs> We're never too old to be silly. Yes, 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 yes. That's that's actually a wonderful um, ending point, I think. Um, thank you very much. I, I really liked how multifaceted this is. And, and yeah, thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. And, uh, Bye. <laughs> Bye, Kristen. Okay, I hope that that interview encouraged and inspire you, inspired you to actually try out being silly and bringing a little bit of fun to places where you normally might not have that much. And for me, that interview just came at exactly the right moment because um, when I when I talk to Australia, it's of course, you know, very early in the morning for me. Um, so I did this interview with Therese before I went to work. And to be honest, work was not that fun that whole week. It was full of really, you know, tedious meetings, tedious emails, and 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 actually, like, talking to Therese was just the really that I needed that. And um, so I went to work, and I started to think about how, actually, yeah, I hadn't had a lot of fun at work. Um, I had been taking things maybe too seriously in the last couple of months, And I thought about how I could change that. And that very day, I had a meeting that I was not really looking forward to. 
So I thought, well, what's one of the dumbest things I could get away with and do? So the f- I don't know why, but for some reason I had this image of um, a Mexican mustache. And um, I thought about wearing a mustache to a meeting, but then I thought, ah, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, It was with people I didn't know. So it would have been, yeah, maybe too weird. So I settled for just imagining that everybody had this ridiculous Mexican gringo mustache. And I actually thought about that when they were talking to me. And you wouldn't believe how much that improved not only my mood, but weirdly enough, I actually managed to be much more relaxed than I would have been. Um, I think I was probably friendlier than I would have been because usually, you know, I might show that I'm, I, don't, I really don't want to be there. And there, I actually, this simple dumb thought just changed the climate in the whole room. And it's not something I can do all the time, obviously, but if we're a little bit creative, playfulness really can make a huge difference. And I think it's something we really underestimate. So I hope this interview gave you a little bit of inspiration, encouragement to do that. And if, if you know, things are too serious in your life sometimes, even if you can't really get others on board to have more fun, you have the freedom to do so in your mind. So I hope that's what you'll do. Um, the work that she ref- um, that she talked about, Paul McGee's book, um, you'll find it in the show notes, uh, which are on www.strengthsphoenix.com slash 11. That's just the number 11. Mm-hmm. You can find that there. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this interview and have fun. Bye-bye. Did you really think that I would miss the opportunity to mess with special effects. Are you serious? Definitely, definitely not. So, I wish you a very pleasant day and a happy week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Positive Psychology Podcast. We're saying goodbye with Happy Yogurt.